welcome in 2021. <laughs> uh, I hope you are ready for a new year. Uh, like I already said to Dian a few seconds ago, uh, I really feel that this year is going to be very exciting and uh, very interesting for uh, AAC. So um, wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, this is why I, I changed the format to something more practical from just interviews just to 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 have uh some more hands-on uh meetings and uh, to at the same time to involve you guys uh, and uh, to give you the chance to to ask your own questions uh, so i hope this is going to be uh, well received by you uh, that being said uh, there is just two things I would like to mention during this uh, presentation in uh, in, uh, in Jitsi uh, meeting. Please keep your microphone uh, muted during the presentation. Uh, and uh, when the presentation is done, uh, you can raise your hand if you want to ask a question. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very simple. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, now, uh, hello, Dion, and welcome. Um, I'm really glad to have you here. So I guess before we begin, I'd like to talk a little bit about the state of Blender BIM for BIM model uh, for, for modeling an entire project. And the the truth is Petru back. Yes, I'm him. here. Maybe he's on mute. The the, tr the truth and the harsh reality is that Blender and Blender BIM is not yet ready to create a project with it. It's it's there are not enough features for modeling from scratch. Uh, the drawing generation is still very rudimentary. There are lots and lots of missing features. Um, so the sad story is that it's a work in progress. But maybe what I can show today is what features do exist and maybe uh, some ideas of what the plans are to improve things. So what I've done is I've downloaded an IFC of this project here. Uh, this is a project by Opening Design. They, uh, this is a firm by uh, Ryan Schultz, who does all of their architectural projects as open source. So for any project they do, you can uh, click on it, and it, you can go and download all of their uh, models, both in Revit format as well as in IFC format. So the one I picked is the Alseth. Residence. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I went to Models and CAD under BIM, and there's an IFC here. And I just uh, clicked on it, and I pressed download it over here. And these are all free for you to uh, play with, do whatever you want, and under an open source license. So it's really good learning material if, if you need some uh, buildings to play with. So I've just um, loaded up the IFC, and this is what the project looks like. This was not modeled in Blender BIM. And not modeled in Blender. Uh, this was modeled in Revit. But I thought maybe it might be a good exercise to show uh, what aspects are easy to model in Blender and which aspects uh, that we need a lot more work on to make it simple. So this is the project right here. Um, I assume this is the site. There's some stuff happening off to the side that I don't fully understand what it is, but we'll leave that alone. And the first thing you'll notice is that the, the building is not quite uh, orthogonal and it's off to one side a bit. So that's something you definitely want to get correct if you're modeling in Blender. So generally in Blender, you would model to project north. You wouldn't do it to a, um, a true north. And you would specify through the use of geolocation um, how, where that true north is, and that's how you would get the correct orientation. Um, so in this case, north is, I, I, um, I assume, up the page, and this is ever so slightly rotated. So when we, so I'm going to attempt to recreate this, and in the process, we'll see how some parts are extremely painful to model, and some parts are less painful to model. So the first thing I'm going to do is, I guess, uh, bring over the site. So I'm going to just cheat a little bit and just copy paste. And this is a neat little trick. You can just copy Control C, Control V uh, between Blender versions. So it's really easy to bring data across. I'm going to turn on um, 
screencast key so you can see what I'm typing. Hopefully yeah. that works. Yeah, it's working. Dion, but do you have two instances of Blender right now or how are you working? Correct. So this is one instance and this is another. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So this instance I've uploaded an IFC just so that I have a reference model, which I'll be copying, just roughly copying. Um, uh, it's not too important, just a quick modeling exercise. And the other one is starting from scratch. And you, you'll notice I haven't created a BIM project. I haven't done anything. And that's what Blender allows you to do. It lets you model just freeform geometry. And later on, uh, when you want to start assigning data, um, you can do so in bulk. And, and, that's, and that's something that it's pretty good at. Uh, so you don't need to, well, while you're modeling, you can sort of experiment. You don't need to think too much about whether it's a wall or a door or something. So I'm going to delete this thing off to the side. I'm using the bounding. Um, box selection here, and that's a great way of deleting things quickly. I also use the circle selection tool by C. I'm, you notice I'm not clicking any buttons at all, and this is um, something to get used to if you do plan to be modeling in Blender. It's extremely hotkey driven, which makes it fast, uh, though it does take time to learn. So um, I'm pressing X to delete, and I'm just going to delete something, all of the edges and all the faces, so that I get a whole bunch of points lying around in space. And this is something you, like you might get coming back from a survey, for example. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Blender has this great add-on called the Blender GIS add-on, and that creates a little um, menu over here, and that lets you create. Uh, topographies very easily from a whole bunch of points. And it works in a 2.5D projection. Um, so if you just go over to Mesh and you click on Delaunay, you'll see that, well, it does the exact Delaunay um, algorithm. And here's your resultant topography. So that's, that's super easy to do. Oh. And it'll work pretty much um, on anything. And you can see it's already created a mesh here, and it's called TIN for uh, well, it's your TINs, isn't it? Your triangulated irregular networks. Is that, is that what the full acronym stands for? I have no clue. Anyway, so, so that's a, a really great way of um, taking any bunch of survey points and converting it. And since it works in 2.5D, uh, and, and I, I've used this trick quite a bit, especially when building survey point uh, off surveyed um, vertical faces. I just rotate it 90 degrees, create a tin, and then re-rotate it back 90 degrees, if that makes sense. Did that make sense? Maybe not. I'll create, I'll show you what I mean. So let's say, um, let's say this object was rotated 90 degrees, and yeah. I was actually scanning a portion of a, a wall like that I was carving into. Uh, this is important in infrastructure works and tunnels. So if I tried to do this now, it wouldn't get me very good results, uh, because it's projecting down on the negative z-axis. Mm -hmm. So um, if, if I know I'm, I'm recreating a wall, I just, um, where am I? I'll delete my note. I just rotate it first, create it, and then re-rotate it back. So it's a, it's a two-step process, but it's, it's quick enough. So I guess now I have my site. Um, it's missing some survey points, so it's, there's some irregular things happening. And this is something that Blender is very, very good at. It's very good at cleaning up uh, this type of this mesh data. So for example, um, if there's a, I think, a, a command called select loose geometry. And oh, I guess that didn't do it. But if I press L, that will select everything that's linked to this mesh. And if I hide that by pressing H, you can see that, um, well, there is nothing left. OK, good. So everything was created as part of this tin. All right, so if I hide that, yeah, so this is what I get. So there's some messy things here. And later on, I guess I can use a Boolean to cut through it, or I can just clean it up now. So if I just maybe uh, dissolve that vertex, and now I've got this left, and I'll just triangulate that. And you notice, again, I'm using a lot of hotkeys for this. You will find everything I'm doing in these menus, um, but I just want to kind of, kind of give the impression that with Blender, it is worthwhile to learn these hotkeys because you can see it's it's a lot smoother um, when when you are working. So I guess the next thing I want to do is work out uh, where the project north is, and so if I just make an assumption that um, 
I don't know, let's say, let's say this is a representative little slab thing, and uh, this little angle here is the deviation to Project North, then I would just, well, I guess I would duplicate that slab and just pick an individual vertex and extrude it up along the page. And now if I just select those and separate them into its own little object, now I have a little piece of reference geometry which can tell me what that angle is. And there's a few ways to measure angles in, in Blender. Uh, Blender comes with its own little measuring tool. This is really useful. So I can use it to snap on things, and it's in a unit which I don't understand, so I'm going to change it <laughs> to uh, metric. There we go. So um, I guess everything will be a bit off because I'm going to just round things up to the nearest metric number here. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you an idea. So if I pull out on the middle of this, and I'll snap it to there, you can see that it shows a, a degree of 2.4. And, and this is this is OK if you just kind of want to measure something. Uh, and, and you'll probably, there's a setting somewhere, I think, where it can say the, the precision on this value. Right now, this is rounded up. Uh, I don't think it is 2.4. Um, but it shows you that this is one way of taking quick measurements on a scene. You can just uh, drag that out anywhere, and you can snap to various things. And it's a great way of measuring. Um, but anyway, uh, given that that's totally uh, that's not showing enough detail, another another method that you can use is to in edit mode in the settings over here. There's a way to show angles, and there's a whole bunch of other things like lengths and areas as well. This is really good when you're doing concept planning. So, for example, if I were creating a room, I can say, okay, uh, that's a four square meter area. All right, um, let's see. So, you know, seven square meters, 10 square meters. All right, you know, that's big enough for, for and so, something like that. You know, I, I know a bedroom, for example, I can bring it out to 3.2. If I'm just blocking out spaces and let's say 3.6 on the other direction. And then having a, a quick idea of all of the dimensions and angles and faces. This is a really good way for early concept modeling. And so, you know, if I was to create my bathroom next to it, um, I would do something uh, like that, let's say, maybe a bit more. Um, so you'll also notice that while I'm doing this, I'm using the axis snaps a lot. So whenever I move something, I'm always snapping along an axis. And this is why it's so important to get that uh, project north and, uh, orth and, and to be modeling orthogonally, because it just speeds things up a lot. Um, anyway, so I got a bit distracted. So if I click on this, you'll see that this number here, which is very hard to read, says 2.380. You can change all these colors somewhere, but I haven't changed it. So that's one way of doing it. I can just rotate everything by 2.380. And in fact, I might do that for this file. I'll just select everything. I'll set my rotation point to the 3D cursor, which is the origin. And I'll rotate the 2.380. Done. So this is something that Blender is also very good at. It's good at taking a whole bunch of objects and just changing them. So for example, in most BIM programs, doing that would be very painful. You wouldn't be able to do this uh, without significant, um, uh, well, computer being upset, maybe. So now I have uh, this thing, which is up the page. I, I might do that for this one as well. But I, I want to show you one more method, which if I can find my little reference geometry. So here's my little piece of reference geometry. I'll delete my three little examples. And what I'll do is instead, now I'm going to use this CAD transform add-on. And if you're going to do any Blender modeling at all, I highly recommend downloading this CAD transform add-on uh, by Steven Ledger. It's for free. It's on, if you just search up Blender CAD transform, you'll find it. That's the one, or this one. It's a few links to it. And this lets you do the transformations in a way that you're used to from CAD packages. So for example, in a uh, default Blender movement, if I press the G key, I'm starting to move it, and I can snap to an axis. But that's not how most people are used to moving in CAD packages. In CAD packages, if I enable this, I press G, and then I would 
to, to start moving. I would select a base point and I would move relative to that base point and I would snap to another point, for example. Mm -hmm. So that's what people are used to. Um, and there are kind of pros and cons of, of both ways of uh, doing transformations. Some are better for uh, some things, some are some better for others. So I guess it's good to, um, to know that both exist. But definitely when I'm rotating, uh, if, I, if I want to rotate with this as a, um, as a snapping point, so I'll just move this um, out so it's a bit clearer. By the way, so for example, there I use the, the, the general blender move because this is so much faster than clicking multiple times. You know, click once, cl snap to an axis, click twice. Mm -hmm. um, so this is not a geolocated file, so it doesn't really matter that I set this as my rotation point. So if I just go and snap to this point, for example, so I'm just going to hover over there and snap. And if I snap here and snap there, that's my 2.38. And now this is perfectly what, whatever that angle was. So that's what you're probably used to in most CAD tools. So I guess now I have my site somewhat facing north. Um, if I just sort of hide everything and I start at the basement, I can sort of get an idea of the house layout, which I'll be modeling here. Um, it's got a story called Boathouse, which I guess is this little garage type thing. This guy probably owns a boat. That's, that's the key to life, right? If you own a boat, you're probably rich enough to uh, build your own house like this. <laughs> uh, there you go. Buy a boat. Anyway, so then we have a basement, which is totally not the same as a boathouse, which includes a whole bunch of stuff, which is not in the basement. And and see, this, this is why... And all these problems, I guess, show up um, when you start using... Uh, when you start viewing your models in IFC, you're like, okay, you know, why is this on my basement? You know, why are these two objects, which are actually the same object? Um, anyway, you have all these objects, which are also not. But but that's the easy part of BIM when it comes to Blender BIM, that it's so difficult in other software. It's actually super easy in Blender BIM. You just click the thing and you and you put it on the right on the on the right uh, the right part of your model. Uh, the, the bit which is hard is to actually do this modeling. So uh, I'm going to quickly measure out, uh, let's say, just these this wall outline, something like that. So let's say I, I just want to get this rough outline to start planning out this space. And a neat way that I like to measure without sticking around with that measuring tool is I just go into edit mode. I'm going to turn off all of these uh, annotations. And I have all these snaps turned on. And by the way, shift click. Yes, you can snap more than one. That really helps. And if I just press G, you can see on the top left of my screen over here, uh, it'll appear over here. This is the trick that I use a lot. It says that the distance is 4.667 meters. Now, that probably makes more sense in a imperial unit, but that's OK. We're going to be working in metric now. And I can do the same snapping to an axis. So here I am snapping along the x-axis. Uh, maybe you'll see it clearer if I do this. So you can see that red line, which I'm snapping to. I'll snap. So that's 4.6. I'll round that up to 4.7. And again, snapping along the y-axis, 15.5. Uh, so if I were to create a new vertex there, I would go and extrude this guy out by 4.7. And I'll tell you what, I'll move it here so that maybe the contrast is better for people who can see. Can you see that? 4.7. Yes. Actually, you know what I'll do? You know what I'll do just quickly? There is a neat little feature here where I can make lines thick. And now it should be like super clear what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Much better, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so if I go and um, add a single vert, so 4.7. Uh, what was it? 15.5 or something. And this is uh, let's say 11.2. So I would do a loop cut, snap 11.2, and this one is 7.4. And 7.7. Uh, OK, so I know that this guy here is 7.4. And there we go. So now I have the basic outline of that um, 
slab and it's probably not quite built like that it's the slab probably steps um which i probably have to check check in more detail mm -hmm. so if i check out the slabs and there doesn't seem to be a slab here which is part of basement there we go um i can see that indeed it is split into three so that's okay i will split mine roughly into three as well and it's not it's also not even so for example this slab goes mm -hmm. um 6.1 over there so if i move that 6.1 so you notice what i'm doing pretty quickly here is i'm snapping it to here first and then moving it again along the uh the y by 6.1 so i'll just separate that one out i can see this one is higher than that one by 200 mil this one is higher by this one by 370 mil okay so let's move that by 0.2 separate that and 0.37 and what i just did there was i uh, did a limited dissolve now, for slabs, it's really useful to uh, create a, a solidify modifier. And what this does is it automatically adds a thickness. So I just made an arbitrary thickness of 200 mil, uh, which I guess the engineer will later say if it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but that gives a good idea of, of how to begin. And if I plunk that on the site somewhere, which I'm modeling it upside down, so let's rotate that, shall we? Um, yeah, maybe we have a, maybe it goes somewhat like that. And similarly, if I were to, and, and, and no, everything I'm doing here is very, very manual. Um, but uh, this is something that will be improved in the future, I believe. So we will, for example, have a better slab creation tools. So for example, I just press a button and immediately I have a slab that I can start, uh, you know, moving out like that. Yeah. But this one I started from scratch and this is what i want to show that it is possible to do this um from scratch although sometimes uh, although in the future we will get better at these automated tools so for example if now i um created a dumb wall all this dumb wall is and i'll show you how i create this dumb wall manually is if i start off from a single vertex i go and extrude that out um let's say i'll, I'll extrude it out here and now I create a screw modifier, uh, but instead um, I'm going to have the angle as zero. So essentially, this is the same as creating a, a screw that, that you can see how it's sort of uh, rotating it mm -hmm, as, mm -hmm. as you would do for a screw. But if I make it a, a zero, that's the same as the next extrude. It's kind of um, unintuitive, but that's yeah, kind but of how it works. So let's say I have. Is the only way you can yeah. do this is. Uh, is there any other way you can you use other tools to do this you can use something else right you can use a, a, a box and to model it into a wall right you can you can absolutely use a box so um this is one method i'm showing so if i just if if i just um model this a little bit um mm -hmm. so, so this would be one example where yeah. i first screw it and then i I add a solidify, and that's how this this works. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to modify the wall simply by uh, editing one vertex. So I can now create a vault wall very quickly, especially if I turn on my snap. So I'll just give you an idea. So um, and now let's say this wall goes up. Actually, this wall will turn a corner. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, let's say this wall goes down. This wall steps as well. And uh, maybe I'll have these two merge. Um, yep. Okay, so you can see that that was a very quick way of creating walls. Um, and this is kind of what I would recommend if you want to go completely vanilla. And of course, there are add-ons in Blender, which I don't have installed right now. For example, Archipack would offer a ton more ways to model balls. Uh, but it's, of course, it's up to you. Like, for example, uh, let's say you wanted to model a wall using a plane. So instead, you would model it, uh, let's say, a three-meter high wall. And the benefit of that is if you model it that way, um, 
let's see, I give it a thickness, is that I can start creating sloped walls. So it, the wall would, you know, slope like this and then slope like this. And let's say, um, slope down again. And, and that would be the benefit of um, modeling it this way. But if I, um, but generally for, for most cases, it's, especially when you're doing sort of standard construction, it's totally fine just to model it this way. And, but you're right, you can also do it as a uh, box. So if I wanted to, I could start from a cube, but then there's one extra step, right? I need to uh, give it the proper wall thickness. And that, that creates issues when I'm creating junctions. Like mm -hmm. for example, uh, if I'm creating two walls at a junction like this, that's okay. But if this were angled in any particular way, so let's say, mm -hmm. I created a 45 degree angle. It's like, oh, uh, you know, too, like you, you can model it. And um, sometimes it is important to model these junctions uh, in a lot of detail, especially later on in the design. Um, and this is something that uh, I guess as you move closer towards fabrication, you do a lot more of. Um, but when you're just starting off with concept, I would avoid and just just stick to the parametric walls. Like mm -hmm. this, this is what I would call a parametric wall. It just it just works. It's just easy. You just drag it out, and you, yeah, you and just need to learn about it. Flash, flash down. Correct, correct, <laughs> and that, and that's why that uh, we're slowly building. Um, there, there'll be some basic ones built in. So, for example, if you want to quickly measure out some mm -hmm. stairs, um, that didn't work. Um, let's see here. Create stair. There we go. Here's a really poor stair, which isn't quite working. Um, but um, th these are the, the features in, in, in Blender BIM that are still extremely immature. So if you're not used to modeling, um, it, don't expect Blender BIM to have the tools ready for you. You will have a nightmare and it, it just won't be a very productive tool. Um, and, and especially, by the way, I'm doing everything here without an asset library. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, once you do have an asset library, it'll be a lot easier. So to give you an example, if I create a wall here, um, and if I wanted to create a door at this point here, um, in this case, I have a basic door, which I can just add an opening, and now that I have a door in that wall. Mm -hmm. um, so that's fine um but this is without an asset library and this is a very dumb door you know it's just just a rectangle we can do better than that so once all of the base features are a bit more stable this is something that will come and i suspect will come pretty fast um especially because blender is coming out with a, a new built-in asset manager uh, which i think will be very exciting for loading in lots and lots of BIM assets Awesome. Um, so people just don't need to build this stuff manually anymore. But if you do, it's it's. Uh, but it's still a good idea to know that it is possible to build this stuff manually. So that especially during concept stage, you are um, a bit more flexible with the house. So for example, let's say I wasn't I wasn't too worried about uh, exact measurements. So this stuff, when I modeled this, I was very very concerned about exact measurements. Mm -hmm. But let's say I just want to get the general feel of this house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so let's see what that might be like. Uh, maybe it would start if I be better if I, and let me just delete all this other garbage that's just floating around here. Hmm. Okay, cool. So um, box modeling is a great way to do this type of thing. Uh, all right. See, this is the, the type of snapping that Blender sucks at. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Got it to behave. So we'll snap to there. And just getting the right feel for it. Um, uh, let's say, yeah, about that high.
So I'm just going to see how, how rapid I can somewhat throw this together. Sure. Um... you a bit of an idea um, that this is the type of thing which Blender is pretty good at, the sort of rapid uh, mass, oh, rapid modeling, because that, that's what it is primarily. It is a modeler's tool. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, the, the built-in tools which, you know, create um, doors and walls just don't quite exist yet, and that's just a, a real shame. Uh, and the motivation for Blender BIM? So Blender BIM started and I think will remain primarily as an IFC authoring application. That's where its focus will be. IFC is extremely um, forgiving in, uh, and flexible on the type of geometry that you can load into it. Um, it's not very prescriptive. So as a result, Blender BIM also is, is very flexible about that and I think I'd like that to continue. Mm -hmm. Although, uh, in the future, I do want Blender BIM to include some very basic modeling packages um, and uh, modeling tools, so that somebody who just installs it out of the box, they won't get a bad experience. You know, they will see a wall tool. Currently, doesn't none of that exists, but they will see a wall tool. They'll see a door tool. They'll have a, a few things preloaded that's that's good enough to uh, to throw together a floor plan or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, for now that that but that will come i think in uh later this year with the release of the first beta which is still hopefully going to happen uh this year um right now there are lots of really big changes happening to blender bim improved um features for uh creating construction drawings and improved features for um editing IFCs with uh, zero data loss. So th those are the things which will happen first. And uh, once the foundations are in place, creating an asset library on top and creating the buttons to quickly create assets um, should be a, a fairly straightforward exercise. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Um, uh, I, I, I should say that the, the, what I've shown here is fairly vanilla. There are lots of existing tools that that make that go on top of Blender, that uh, do a lot of things, especially for an artistic feel. So Archipack is one which I would heavily recommend. Um, and you just watch the little video on their main page. Uh, but there are also lots of uh, pre-made um, uh, asset libraries. So I think I think Blender Kit is one. Uh, and the Blender Cloud also has a whole bunch um, where you just kind of just drag and drop and it's all just there. You just pick whatever things you're interested in. So hopefully um, that shows you that th there's a lot more out there. It's just that what I'm showing today is, um, I guess, very uh, mm -hmm. vanilla, very, very out of the box. 
but, but, there, but, but there is an aspect of it which is important to to have the out of the box because um, when you create these objects, it's important to also have the uh, necessary data for not just not, not I'm not talking bin data here. I'm talking geometry geometry data. So for example, if I load in a door, um, a door object, it doesn't come out of the box with a door swing. So you need to be mindful of that and create that door swing representation of it. Whereas if I go and create one that's bundled with Blender BIM, for example, or ARCHIPAC, uh, the door will have a, um, a door swing representation, as you can see here, which, there we go. Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess that's one of the biggest difference be between a, um, a BIM object and a regular 3D object you download off the web is that it has these extra little guides that help you um, annotate it in drawings. Yeah. Okay, cool. How was that for an intro? That's good. Uh, do you, uh, are there any other important points you want to make before uh, we go for questions? Um, I just want to reinforce that BlenderBIM is not there yet for creating drawings, uh, so, uh, for, for, for creating a model um, from scratch. Uh, I've done so, but for the average user, it's not there yet. Um, and there's still some foundations to be taken care of before we can start building those, um, uh, those things. So for example, we, uh, we can't go on and create um, all these assets right now simply because there are still conventions that need to be made on exactly how to store all these 2D representations, for example, um, or what's the best way to uh, demonstrate opening relationships, for example, or, or round trip those or round trip parametric geometry. So all of those need to be sorted out first, um, which good progress is made on that. So hopefully later on this year, I'll give an update and it'll be a lot a lot lot more mature than what you see right now what exactly can you do best right now with blender beam inspect ic files and audit them that's that's the thing it's very good at um it's also it's not too bad at extracting data so for example csv imports and exports uh it's it's good at uh, debugging IFCs as well. Um, it's good at cleaning up and fixing bad IFCs. So but you not you, starting one from scratch. Okay, so you uh, there would be a, a, an workflow in exporting an IFC file from Revit or Tecla, getting it in Blender, mm -hmm. fixing it, be sure checking it, be sure that it's one hundred percent compliant. Can you do yep. anything else with that file afterwards? Uh, like, you, do you need to do this each time you export from Revit? Can you import back in Revit or other tools? Yeah, unfortunately, um, import, and then this is not the fault of Blender, it's the fault of the other applications that they don't really support a round trip very well. Oh, okay. So just, just to take a step back here, um, when Blender BIM first began, there was no IFC authoring application that fully supported the spec like, uh, uh, as a native format. So that was the first intention of Blender BIM to say that, hey, you can start treating IFC as a native format. And that has taken a while to solve. Um, so Blender BIM right now will be able to import and export roughly 70% of the IFC specification. And no other tool really does that um, in an authoring environment. Like you can view it in a viewer, fine, but but actually authoring it is, is another matter. And Blender BIM was the first to prove that, not, that you could actually do it. Um, but it's the task is still not yet finished. And that's why Blender is not even as a beta release. We're still as alpha. We still are a 0.0.x um, release cycle. Mm -hmm. So once we have proven that you can start natively editing and authoring OpenBIM files, um, and there, uh, that's when we'll move on to the secondary features like, okay, now you can author your models. Let's get all of the the workflow going on. Let's get the um, 
the things like uh, the, the button that you want to press that makes it easy to generate uh, floor spaces or energy models or uh, one click and a door appears and all that type of stuff. Uh, but the, the first responsibility is to have an extremely robust foundation of authoring uh, IFCs. So that will happen some that 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 work will be mostly finished um sometime this year i believe um and and we will have a robust base where we'll be able to say to anybody hey you know um you can open this ifc edit it in blender and send it along its way or start a new project and continuously just edit that ifc again and again and again you know you won't you won't have to be stopping and starting with each project phase you won't need to treat it as an export which somebody looks at as a read-only and then is never able to fix any broken things. This will be truly a native BIM format that will persist across projects, across project phases, across applications. And I guess once, once we can make that claim, um, the focus will shift and it will shift very quickly, I believe. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. And um, yeah, uh, very good. You're doing a great job. Um, if somebody wants to ask something, please raise your hand. And um, after that, I will name you to to ask. Yeah. Ben. Okay, let's start with Ben. Please go ahead. Okay, you you are writing. You can also join us with the microphone, but yeah, that's cool enough. Then you, yeah, please. Go yeah, ahead. so um, you're you're right. So so this is something that's also very different with Blender generally as a tool, in that it's very natural to work in a 3D view, um, but it is possible to put in levels and grids to. You don't have sound anymore. I don't hear you anymore. Oh, sorry, I'm on mute. Uh, um, okay, please, sorry. Please start by reading the question first, out loud. Yes, so the question says, uh, I feel that Blender works well when you have a good grasp of working in a 3D view, uh, but that doesn't work for everyone. Is it possible? And would you recommend to put in some sort of levels or grids in Blender to help you during modeling? So uh, the first bit is absolutely correct. Blender works exceptionally well uh, modeling in 3D. And sometimes I think this is a good thing for the industry. I think a lot of mistakes in BIM modeling happens because we're looking at a 2D view too, too much of the time. And modeling directly in 3D will just kind of, you know, half the clashes will disappear probably. But anyway, you're absolutely right that some people don't get that. And sometimes it is better to work in, in a more 2D view. Um, some sort of levels and grids, you will be creating levels anyway. So just like this IFC file here, uh, there are already levels. And each one of these um, levels will have a level object that's associated with it. And that level object is at a particular RL. So in this case, uh, they've positioned their level you know, very far away from the site, which is kind of strange, but that's Revit, um, or I guess just the modeling practices. So each one of these represents uh, a level which you can snap this. So this is the, the second floor, for example. So if now, I, so you can see that I can already snap to levels. And so yes, absolutely, create a level, totally you should do it. Um, you can represent them as whatever you want. Sometimes it's, it's good to represent them as an image so that you can sort of snap to them very easily, or you can sort of see where they are. Um, grids as well. So if I create a grid here, here are grid objects, which I can snap to. So here I'm snapping to grids and, and I would do that in a, uh, in a plan view. So what I might also show is I'm on a old version of the add-on, but you can see it's, I mean, for somebody who knows where these grids are and, and that they exist and all that, um, it's easy for me to do and, and model this way. But um, if I, in, in the future, there will also be new features to help make all of this 
a lot more legible. So I'll give you, I'll see if I can pull up an example of that. Um, how would I do this? So, I'm just launching up the latest unstable version of the Blenderbim add-on, and there's some really neat new features here. So for example, uh, let's say I create a uh, grid and I create a drawing, I can start um, actually getting all these decorators oh. in the scene. So, so it becomes a lot easier to see uh, when I start modeling things. So if I go and create uh, my door, uh, sorry, not a door, don't want a door. Uh, and let's say I'm just going to snap these to grids and I don't know, and let's say I offset that one meter off this grid, one meter off here, and something like that. And then I wanted to um, start annotating these things. So uh, there we go. So this makes it just so much easier, um, for example, to be snapping and working in a 2D workflow. If, 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 so, so, so it is it is possible, uh, but these features are still a little bit of uh, a work in progress, but this is something that we can look forward to in the future that we'll get start getting features like this and they'll be a lot uh, more more familiar sometimes, you know, if you, if, and, and sometimes it's just better to work in this type of view depending on what you're modeling. Yeah, will, will these features be included in the next release? Correct. This this is one of the things that will be in, including the next release. The next release will be a, a very, very big release. And for that reason, it may be delayed a little bit. Um, but maybe we'll talk about that another day. Another day? You don't have a date, approximate date? Uh, at least another two weeks to, to sort out a okay. bunch of stuff first. Uh, let's say January. That's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully late January. Where yeah. Are we? Okay. Amazing. Are there any other questions or is, let's see, it is possible to use faces to represent demolition elements, new elements, etc. Yes, absolutely. So uh, phases in, blend, uh, in, in, in IFC are represented using a property set. Um, so let me switch back to the old one. Okay, so let's say uh, these are two old buildings which are going to be demolished. Uh, there is a property set called, I think it's under the common. Can, can, uh, I don't know. Maybe you can check on uh, blenderbeam.com. Element <laughs> <laughs> uh, column, common? Let's see. Yeah, here we are. So, so it's under the common property set. They have a field called status, and um, there are some conventions of how to fill out that field. So something like demolish or something is, is a possible status to place in here. So once you've done that, when you create a construction drawing, and um, I'll just open up one example of that that was actually done. Um, no, that's fine. Here we are. So here's an example of a drawing where those properties were set. Once you've set them as a property, you can use those to style your drawing. So this is a drawing where all of the demolished items were colored in red and hatched in red. So all of so basically, this guy's demolishing most of his um, ground floor of his house. Sorry, mm -hmm. first floor, ground floor, basement, whatever. He's demolishing most of that, and all that is simply set by setting the status in here. Right now in Blender, it's pretty crap. You have to type it in. Um, some, you know, and and I have to, and this is when you would go and search up in the documentation. You say, all right, okay, let's take a look here. So you, you'd click on, um, say, IFC wall, 
by the way, of course, you, you can get to this as well from bundabim.org. Yeah. By searching. By searching, correct, correct. So you go to the training and support page, you find which IFC class, you'd say, all right, um, this is this is so many steps, by the way, this is this is ridiculous. Um, but this will this is actually one of the things which will be improved in uh, the next release. So if I take a look at the property sets, I can find here status and this, oh gosh, if I click on status, here it is. It's um, status can be assigned to new, existing, uh, demolish, or temporary. And uh, what would be super cool is to build a feature in Blender BIM that will filter those elements by status. Yeah. Uh, but that feature doesn't exist yet. So um, that would be really cool. Yeah. Um, so off, maybe after the next release, after things calm down a little bit, uh, that will be something we can build. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you, you'll fill you'll fill that in. Um, in this case, I assume you'll fill it out with something like new. I don't really understand how. Let, let me check what the the actual. Okay, here here are the real ones. All right, here are the ones which are, I think, language agnostic. So you set it to uh, new and all uppercase. Recording like has stopped. So hopefully that makes some sense. Yeah. yeah. There is a feature in Blender BIM to go and um, uh, visualize by uh, by property set, but I don't. I'm not sure if that will work. If I uh, yeah, so let's say this is let's say this is demolished. There is a way over here to I think. Say, uh, piece of element com common. So I'm typing piece of element common in there, and this is status. I think I can just color it. So now, for example, it detected that this is one status, and this is another status, and all this is blank, so no status. So everything with this color is demolished, everything with this color is new. So that's one way of visualizing it. Uh, but as I said, the feature doesn't yet exist to um, mm -hmm. uh, to filter. Yeah, well, it's going to be there at some point. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there any other questions? We still have five minutes, six minutes. So ah, yes, don't sir. be shy. You're right. You're right. Don't be shy. Just ask, like, uh, before, until we get any other question, like, uh, I've seen something that is quite impressive. Like, you had two uh, instances, uh, different instances of Blender, and everything was so smooth every time you did anything, you model anything, you rotated anything. Oh, I don't want to go down this road, but with the other tools, it's not so easy to work even in one instance and to go so smoothly, everything. When you move things, when you rotate things, when you create things. Um, yeah, it's it's really impressive how, how it handles, Blender handles everything. Well, I, I do have to um, say that it isn't perfect. So Blender of is course. just naturally good at being a, as, as a mesh modeler. So for example, I can select absolutely everything in the scene. And let's say I set this to be my so I'm just rotating the everything, and there's zero lag while I'm doing this. But keep in mind that this is an extremely tiny BIM model. Mm -hmm. um, so probably if I try to do that on a much larger BIM model, uh, Blender will start lagging a bit. But um, what Blender is very good at is geometry, heavy mesh geometry on fewer objects. So for example, uh, if I go back to the other Blender I had open, uh, all this, so if I just highlight that, all these walls are actually created as one object. If you did this in another BIM software, uh, each segment of the wall, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, mm -hmm. this one, this one, this one, that would be, uh, how many do I have? Each uh, one's element, nine yeah. edges. Correct, so it'll be nine separate walls. And in the 3D world, that kind of just doesn't make sense. It's like, you know, what's the point of having nine, you know, to click nine times? Um, 
and and sometimes in, in in real world it doesn't make sense you know if you're pouring a, a lift core for example or a concrete wall like why should you say that the wall stops and starts here it's it's one long wall right it is, that's how you that's how you pour it in real life um so i guess what i'm trying to say is that in other bim applications what you tend to get especially on large projects is lots and lots of objects, but each object is very simple. And mm -hmm. that's where Blender starts getting a little bit upset. So when you start getting something like, um, you know, uh, 50,000, 100,000 objects all in one file, Blender will not be happy. Um, it will struggle a bit. A hundred thousand? So objects will be very simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the objects will be simple. Yeah, but, uh, Blender the number will... is the problem. Yeah. If you start merging them into less and less, less objects, uh, then Blender will be able to handle them. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But that's one of the things that will be addressed uh, in a future version of Blender BIM, where we look at uh, editing partial models, so that mm -hmm. you're you're always modeling snappy. You know, you don't you, you don't need to load the, everything. You only load kind of like the portion you're working on, and you and and I think that's super important for people mm -hmm. in the industry to just model without having to wait you know you're getting kind of kind of like drawing you know you need that instant feedback mm -hmm. as you create yeah yeah um ben is asking what do you think uh, would be the maximum ifc file size before blender breaks and uh, again like the question is not so much the maximum ifc file size so much as the content of the ifc mm -hmm. so for example i've loaded in ifc files of 500 megabytes no problem in Blender. And when I was in Blender, no lag. Um, now, the issue is that you can have a 500 megabyte file size where 300 megabytes is simply because the people who are modeling it didn't know how to optimize the objects within it. And so you had some very, very crazy, inefficiently described objects. And that's a whole topic in itself and on how to capture all of those inefficient geometry and how to clean it up. Uh, so in that case, Blender is very happy to gobble it up. However, you can have a 300 megabyte IFC where each object is very efficiently packed in mm -hmm. and you have you know, hundreds of thousands of super simple objects. And that's when Blender will start to uh, get upset with you. So, it's, so file size is not quite the, the right metric to, to use. Uh, by the way, it is possible to uh, load up multiple um, IFCs in multiple Blender files and then link them together uh, in the same way that you would do in, in, I guess you would do it in Revit. You wouldn't really do that in ARCHICAD. Uh, ARCHICAD is more a monolithic mm -hmm. um, style, I, I believe. So it is possible to link. And if you start linking, you can get, that's, that's where you can start breaking that 100,000 object barrier. Uh, at least that's what I found. But in the future, I don't think you'd need to. Because if you if you extrapolate to the future about uh, and and you sort of imagine IFCs um, of many many buildings of many of, of you know up to a neighborhood city scale, you kind of don't want to load in the whole file anymore. I mean, think of how people work when they work in a GIS environment. They don't load in the whole world. They only load in. They 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 run a query. They edit the objects. Then they submit a query back to a database. Mm. And there's no reason why we can't do the same with BIM models. Uh, it should be, we shouldn't think of BIM as, hey, give us that file you're working on. We should say, hey, uh, okay, this is, this is the, the BIM address or, or, or whatever way of identifying that is, and say, I want to be modifying within uh, a radius of 50 meters of this point in the building. Like that's what I'm going to be focusing on. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to do an overall model. Uh, give me all architectural elements on levels two to four, something like that. And so you'll so you'll just modify that, and you and you'll be pulling in these extracts of data. So the whole question of um, what's the maximum IFC file size is just kind of irrelevant. Uh, I mean, it's relevant now, but in the future, I don't think it will be. Oh, <laughs> hi, uh, guys. Thank you for the presentation. It is, is it possible to be involved in the development of Blender Beam in some useful way? Well, of course, you are more than welcome. Dion? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
I think the the best way to get involved is uh, firstly, if you're a user, just download Blender and 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 learn how to use the application. Um, I mean, even if you're not using it to create a BIM model, especially in an architectural practice, there's so many use cases for it. Um, like things uh, from things like renderings, creating sections, creating, uh, doing concept modeling, concept design. There's so many ways of of, of using um, Blender already, or uh, cleaning up for 3D printing or laser cutting. Or this, it's 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 quite quite something. Uh, so just get used to the tool. I think the best place to go to is osarch.org. Um, this talk to you, uh, this talk today is brought to you by uh, osarch.org. You know, that's, that's what we have to say at the beginning of each, each one of these talks. Um, and BIM Voice, and BIM Voice. So effectively, this is a community of people trying to uh, promote the use of free software in AEC. And if you go on the site, you'll find a a wiki and a community and also a live chat. Um, so, and, and events just like this one that, that you're taking part in today. So a wiki has a huge amount of information on uh, open BIM standards and how to use different um, applications. A great place to start is by exploring uh, free software, and and this is where you get your answers question, uh, your, your questions answered. You know, <laughs> how do you get involved? Uh, posting in the forum, uh, editing this wiki. You know, if you find something wrong or you want to edit a page, press the edit button. You don't you don't even need to register an account. Uh, getting involved in free software is a great way to get involved. There are so many free software to start playing with. Blender is just one. It doesn't matter which one you're using. Just being a user and engaging with the community is really the best way to help. If yeah. you do know how to code and you want to get involved with coding, uh, reach out to the developers. Uh, that would be, um, I, I guess, I'm yeah, I'm there to speak to for Blender BIM. Uh, but but just reach out to any of the developers on any of these projects, and they will help you get started uh, with some simple tasks that, that will guide you along. But but I don't really. Speak to the coders because the coders know how to do that already. But the people who are not coders, really, you, you cannot underestimate just how much help it is to use a program and just share that you're using it and try things out and and ask questions to the community, you know, so, and because that's how developers make it better. You know, they they hear what people are using it for and they're like, oh, I should improve that aspect of it because it's really bad. And mm. yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. And the the chat, don't forget. Yeah, this is the forums, uh, but uh, the chat as well. It's very like, uh, it's very very welcoming. Absolutely, yeah. So just uh, just put in the name and click start chatting, and then you'll join. Um, and there's another there's a way to to sign on regularly and see all the chat history if, if you want that as well. But you can see there's there's 26, oh, I guess 25 people online right now. Um, so it's 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 a relatively uh, active chat, and you'll get to see live as work is being done on this software. Every day you'll see notifications on uh, uh, things being improved on in various types of software. Yes. Awesome. Are there any other questions, or are we rounding this up? Yeah, I guess it's a wrap. Well, oh. thank you a lot, Dion, for uh, for your presentation. Oh, there is somebody, okay. Ben. You try. Uh, he ben, has. You a, still have your. Yeah. He has his hand up. Ben, if you raise hey. your hands, your hand, please do it. So uh, he, he's nitpicking in that. Um, for individual walls, um, he suggests that it will affect the geometry and quantity and base quantities. No, not really. Um, so when you so so the geometry has got nothing to do with uh, the the base quantities. So there, the base quantities can be calculated however you want, uh, as, as in in the software. 
So the software, if the software understood how to calculate this properly, there's no reason why I can't fill that in in, in the quantities correctly. So um, it would, uh, well, yeah, I guess this button's not working because I'm breaking stuff right now in my my dev environment. Uh, but there's no reason why I couldn't fill that out with uh, the, the proper information for that wall. So it would get the perimeter correctly, would get the, the area correct, um, the volume correct. I mean, it's it's like saying if you have an irregular wall, would that break wall-based quantities? No, of course not. You know, it's just, um, it's just a, a funny shaped wall. Um, admittedly, most programs may struggle to calculate it. Um, so for example, um, if you bring this into uh, a program like uh, Costex, for example, it, it may uh, have some heuristics around walls being of a certain standard make, uh, uh, like, a, like a standardized extrusion. But um, the wall-based quantity is not automatically calculated. The pro it's up to the program to decide how to calculate it based on the geometry. So as long as the program supports that geometry, it can spit out the correct values in the quantity set is, is, is my current understanding of it. Okay, amazing. Thank you very much, Dion. Uh, it was very nice to start the year in this way. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, to what this year is going to bring us with uh, Blender BIM. Me too, absolutely. And thank you uh, very much, everybody, for joining and uh, asking questions. And I, I hope that you are going to like the new format of uh, the Beam Voice podcast. Might not be the right way uh, from now on, <laughs> but yeah, for, for Beam Voice information channel or whatever it's going to become. I wish you a very productive year. <laughs>